Why choose this green church? I came to TGC because I saw a place where I could grow spiritually and I also saw people who were interested in my well-being in general. They weren't actually trying to force this, um, but it kind of made me stay because I could see that it was genuine. Um, TGC make me feel like this is my home. Like I feel old. I feel like I've always wanted a place where I can showcase myself, where I can be discriminated, where I can express how I feel exactly, and that is what CGV is all about. Everything we do is based on the word of God. You don't manipulate it to our own benefit. Like, you want things good, and that's what we're That's why I love you. There you have it. You have an insightful show. We're going further in our Christian Essentials. Now we're going into the Lordship of Scripture. The Lordship of Scripture. The inspiration, the authority, and inerrancy of Scripture. The inspiration, authority, and the inerrancy of Scripture. Glory to God. So, you know, we see through Scripture that God reveals himself to man in different ways. Now, we, there's one we call God's revelation of God that we see in nature. Okay? We can see some attributes of God in nature. In fact, we can see enough from nature to know there has to be a God. Right? Because how do you explain the world? How do you explain the universe's fine-tuning? You know, when you look at the science of the universe, it's such that, you know, if a factor as much as, you know, those figures, those terrorists, I think it's minus 19 or so, they're about change happens in the way the world is configured. Everything falls apart. So the detail is like having, you know, several, I can't remember that figure right now, you know, several um, elements in a world system, several of them, in different factors that have to be at a particular number in terms of their, their, their states for the world to be navigable for, man, for mankind. So this kind of earth cannot be random. Now you know from your little common sense that whatever is ordered, someone put order there. You get. How many have you seen random? Baba, random, and it's, it's, it's steady. We see that whatever is designed as a designer. So when you can see evidence of short design, you know somebody designed it, an intelligent being designed it, right? So you can see from nature also that these things are not just, they didn't just come to be. Someone made the world. So we can see in nature that there's a God. And we can also, can also see some attributes of God in nature. We call it God's regeneration. Alright, when Romans 1 and 2, Romans 1 gives talk about it a lot, that you know that we can see God's invisible attributes in, his, in the things that are visible. There's an echo. There's an echo. Alright? That we can see God's invisible attributes in the things that are visible. Alright? So we call that God's revelation that we see in created things. Alright? Psalm 19 and 2. Psalm 19, 1 and 2. Psalm 19, 1 and 2. For the director of music, the Psalm of David, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the works of his hands. See that? Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. Look at that. So he says, you know, that we can see, you know, God's, we can see God's hand in creation. We can see God's hand in creation. We call that, of course, general revelation. What everyone can see about God. All right? So everyone, rich or poor, you know, educated or uneducated, Christian or not, we can see some traits of God in creation. It says the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hand. So he's saying from nature we should see that there is, number one, a creator. We also see in our conscience, right? You know, no matter how terrible you are, you still have a sense of right and wrong. You have a sense of right and wrong. So, you know, for you to have a sense of right and wrong, you have a, a conscience. How did it get there? If all we are is what we can see, what is conscience? What is right and wrong? So there's something beyond the physical that we see. There's a sense, there's a sense of judgment in you. How did it get there? All right, so we can see from creation, 
you know, we can see. When you talk about, about Cain and Abel, now, when Cain killed Abel, there was no written law saying, thou shalt not kill. But Cain knew by the conscience that God gave every man that killing is. Yeah, so who put it there? Who put the conscience there? It shows there's a sign of there's something more, there's something, there's someone beyond what we can see. There are things beyond the visible. Okay, so we see God even in things that are, you know, created. We see God in nature, you know, and stuff. We see God in our conscience also, right? So we now have what we call God's special revelation in scripture. Now, you can only learn about God so far in nature, right? You can only know about God a little far in nature. Where we actually understand God's nature is as revealed in Scripture. Okay? So it is why it's important that we understand the Lordship, you know, this Lordship of Scripture, how God reveals Himself by His Word. Okay? Is that good? You can't know God's saving knowledge in, in nature, you know it from Scripture. Okay, you can't see the gospel in nature. It's not possible. Why do you see the gospel? In scripture. All right? So even though we can see God in nature, we know God better. We know God accurately by his word. Awesome. Now, we'll say that the scripture is inspired. Now, we don't mean that the scripture is dictated. It is inspired, not dictated. So it's not God saying from beginning from Genesis to Revelation, um, you sit down, write this, and you start writing everything. Okay, no. It is inspired, but it's not dictated. They are different. Now, when it's dictated, it means that word for word, God gave you word for word. Inspired means that, you know, God inspires you penning down. So we'll see, we'll see your, your language, we'll see your poetic, your poetic blend, we'll see your education in your writing. Now, the way Paul wrote is not the same way Peter wrote. We can see their different traits in how they write. You can see Isaiah, the way he is in Isaiah. He's not Jeremiah. Okay, even though they're all moved by the Spirit, we see the difference in their personalities in the way they wrote. You see, Paul say, all through the Galatians, it is Paul's character. You see, this, his character is written. You see, it's there. God did not tell him, right now, all through the Galatians. Do you understand? So it is inspired, not dictated. So we we'll see, you know, we can see different people and their character traits and how they write. You see, you see David in his Psalms. You can see David, David is a bit of a melancholy character, in a little bit very, very introspective, and you know. So you will see his traits in his writings. Do you understand? So also, for most of the writers, you can see their blends in their character blends in how they wrote. Okay, so it is inspired, not dictated. And God, God, added, God added this way. Why? So you can see different personalities, the same message. So in a way, you can find that it's relatable. That's why you just relate to David. When David says, this word is a mess, I'm just tired of everything. That God, David will rant in a full chapter. You rant and rant and rant and say, but I know you are good, sir. You can, you can relate to it sometimes. I mean, just like, you ain't like everything is crap. But they will just tell you, this word is so annoying. Bad people are prospering. Good people are suffering. But I know you are faithful and good. You can relate to those things. You understand? So God added that so that we can relate to Scripture, you know, personally. Glory to God. Amen. So it also shows you that it's the story of God and man. It's why, you know, the, the, the voice of man was important all through Scripture. Okay? Not just God saying, sit down, write everything, word for word. No, it's not so. So there are parts of scripture where God actually dictated to them, where, where it's like, you know, like a, you know, like verbal, whatever. But most times you can see it's mostly inspiration, not dictation. Okay? So you can see also in scripture, you can see God conversing with man. It's so interesting. God will show a prophet and say, you saw so and so, what do you see? Say, okay, I saw an almond tree. Now, what, what, do you, what, does it, what do you think it means to you? See, God having conversations with, with man because the story is a love story of God and man. So, you know, the story is, is, um, is heavily man oriented. Do you know my point here? It's a story of God and man. So, God, you know, would have it, you know, through the voice of man. You saw also why angels don't preach the gospel. You see, in Acts 10, Cornelius. Cornelius Okay? The angel spoke to, to Cornelius and told him, send for Peter to preach to what you need to hear. Okay? Because it's a man's story. It's why also God came in the form of man. Fully God, yet fully man. Why? Because it's a story of man. Okay? This entire sphere of endeavor. This, the earth is man's sphere. Okay? So it's a story of man and his creator. Glory to God. 2 Timothy 3.16. 2 Timothy 3.16. 2 Timothy 3.16. 
Second Timothy 3.16. All scripture is God-breath. Yeah. And is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Look at that. This all scripture is God-breath. It's God-inspired. So even the ones you don't like, check it. It's God-inspired. Before you cancel it, remember Paul said, all scripture is God-inspired. Look at that. First, Second Peter 1 and 21. Second Peter 1, 19 21. Second Peter 1, 19 21. Second Peter 1, 19 21. We also have a prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it, to it, as to a light shining in the dark place until the day dawns and the morning stars rise in your hearts. Yeah. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy or scripture came about by it by the prophet's own interpretation of things. Hmm. For prophecy never had its origin origin in human will, but prophets through human spoke Prophets do human. Prophet do human spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You see that so it says the prophetic writings. Okay, the Isaiah, Jeremiah, Malachi says it's not as though Malachi sat down and started writing things. It says only men, though woman, they wrote as they were inspired by the Spirit. So when you read the Bible, you are reading God's inspired thoughts. You are reading God. Now the Bible calls Jesus Christ the Word, the Logos. You are reading Christ. Awesome. So prophet, um, scripture is inspired of God. So you can build your life on it. It means that if I can find that this is, this is God's will, even when I don't get it, I obey it because why? It is God's will. I don't understand it. I don't like it. You get my point? Because that's what you don't like. But it's God's will. For example, when the Bible says, husband loves your wife, that's when you don't like loving. That's when the way the person is doing, you want to react. You want to scatter. But the Bible says so. so husband loves your wife. That's when you want to say, don't talk how you feel. You want to talk the way you feel. Go, go. No, no, that's when you just want to say your mind. But that your mind you want to say, not to cause trouble. So husband, you just... You don't like it at that point, but you obey because the word says so. This is my point. That because the Bible is God's word, you obey the Bible when you feel like it or not. And now you can find that that particular verse so, is well interpreted, you obey. You know what happens usually to us? That this is that, that is agree with now. That as you grow, you begin to understand it better. What should you do? It's God's word, and you can find this is God's way. Obey it first, you get it later. All right? God's word is older and wiser than you, so you do well to align. Once you can find the truth of God's word, you align. All right? So you also know that the scripture is inerrant. Okay? The scripture does not lie. So now, we don't mean, we don't mean by saying this that you will not find wrong statements in the Bible. No. We are saying that the Bible is true in everything it affirms. So, for example, people go out and say, you know, and look for where the Bible is wrong, you know, and stuff like that. Now, the Bible is not, you know, there are also parts where God had us write down human opinion. Okay? Amen. Are you following? He made us write, he made, this, he made the prophets, the, the apostles, to write down some human opinion. Not because they are right, but because to show you in these days what people thought in those days. So, for example, when, when you read in Job 1, when the, when, when, the, the, when they came to tell Job that, that, that fire, from, a fire from God came down and destroyed the place, you know, when you, when you, read, when you, when you read Job chapter 1, you see that it's not fire from God, it's Satan at work. But human beings then thought it was fire from God. So, not everything, everything there is accurate like that, okay? So, that we must read, read intelligently to know what is man's opinion, what is the general, you know, cultural, and what is God's exact will, okay? What is our point? That Bible, the Bible is inherent in the things it affirms. Is that good? We're not saying that every opinion there is true. We are saying that the Bible is true in the things it affirms. All right? Bible, John 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 talking about, says, your word is truth. Talking about, about, the, about scripture. That God's word is truth. God's word is truth. It says, every night pass away, but not one drop of his word will pass away. That was Christ affirming the inerrancy of scripture. So whatever the Bible affirms is true. You know, for example, before Christ came in, it was prophesied many years back by different prophets. They, they prophesied the time of his coming, in Isaiah. In Psalms, it was prophesied how he would die, even before the Romans invented crucifixion. 
together. Just a farm where we'll be born to. You know, so the Bible, you know, prophesied his birth, his, his death, everything, even before he came. Even before Rome invented crucifixion. Okay, so we can see that the Bible is true. The Bible is, is inerrant. So this, this, this is important, okay? Now, this, it means that when you're reading the square of the Bible and you find things you don't understand or agree with, before you counsel it, take it well, though, the Bible is inerrant. See, once you begin to punch holes in the Bible, and you know, in your, your own interpretation of things, you punch holes, you can punch someone like you punch starvation. You punch, 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 where you're not asking you, okay, if, if this is wrong, this is wrong, then why, why should Christos faith be right also? You understand my point here? So in our bit to understand scripture, the, the parts that are difficult, if you don't understand it, calm down, don't be in a rush. But don't be, don't, don't, don't be quick to say, that is wrong, that is not true. You know, if not tamper with inerrancy of scripture, Christ affirms that God's word is truth. John 17, 17. John 17, 17. John 17, 17. John 17, 17. Sanctify them by your fruit. Your word, word is truth. Psalm 119, verse 160. The entirety of your word is truth. Every, every one of your righteous judgment endures forever. Look at that. The entirety of your word is truth. Now, I'm not saying that, uh, that every, every Bible version is true. Please, this is important. I'm not saying that every Bible version is true. Okay? This is the way it works. People took Greek manuscripts and translated it the way they best thought right. You understand? It does not mean that every Bible version is right. What we're telling you is that the original manuscript, the original manuscript though, is true in everything it affirms. We're not saying KJV is right or NIV is right. So that's not the point. But I say the original manuscript, the original laid down manuscript is true in everything it affirms. All right? Is that good? Matthew 5.18. Matthew 5.18. Matthew 5.18. Matthew 5.18. John 10.35. But truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, you see that? not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. See that? John 10, 35. For if he called them gods, to whom the word of God came, and, and the, the scripture cannot be broken. Titus 1, 2. Titus 1, 2. Titus Geisha, sorry, Titus wants to. In hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. Look at that. Hebrews 6.18. Hebrews 6.18. Hebrews 6.18. Hebrews 6.18. That by two immutable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. Look at that. So, our job is to find God's will in Scripture, knowing that God cannot lie. This has to be the foundation of your Christian life, that God cannot lie. It should mean to you that pastor can lie. Pastor can make mistakes. You can make mistakes in the interpretation of Scripture. But God cannot lie. So where you find God's word and it doesn't look so in your life, you judge God to be true, even when in your life you don't see it yet. Okay, but what you must not do is to cancel scripture to suit your experience. Again, you must make sure your life is to make sure your experience matches scripture. Never be caught trying to, you know, paste your experience on scripture. Rather, Best scripture on your experience. Don't say, ah, God said though, but Sha, this way, this is the way I think. No, 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 no. Okay? Let your life be built on. It is written. This will keep you from plenty error. Okay? We've seen people, we've seen people tell us things like, um, like you know, that ah, I've, I've grown beyond the, that book. Talking about people say it, I've grown beyond that book. As in, that book, I've passed that level. Ah. People have said it, interestingly. Okay? So you know that they are following them from their village. Glory to God. Alright? Awesome.
So the Bible is God's word. It's God's word. We said earlier on Sunday that Christ affirms that the OT is the word of God. The is the word of God. He quoted, he told them, he told them Luke 24, 25, 20, 23, 27. He told them that don't can't you remember what's written in your, in your law and the prophet and the Psalms. He took them back to what was written in their scripture to affirm the truth of what their scripture said. Matthew 5, Matthew 5, 18, that everything will come to pass. Christ was Christ himself, the living word, was affirming the authority of scripture. Do you understand? So, this is important. Now, early, early in, in, in church history, a certain guy named Marcion, M-A-R-C-I-O-N, I hope I'm right, Marcion. So, he was, he was the first person to say that the church should have, you know, a canon, what they call it a canon, the, the books accepted, accepted as, as Bible books. And he was saying that they should cancel every of the Old Testament. It's not, for, it's not for us. They should cancel it. They should not put it in the Bible. That we, should not, we should not read it. That was a thought. That we should not even read it at all. That is, they should cast it that the Bible should be, should be only one gospel, the, gospel, the book of, gospel of Luke and the books of Paul. Why was he saying that? Number one. So the guy believed that only Paul is writing this thing. That the other guys were, you know, they had Jewish, Jewish bias. But that only Paul should be read and only the gospel of Luke because Luke also, Luke looks an associate of Paul. Look at that. So that's, these things, these, um, these kind of errors... They are not new. But Christ affirmed the entire Old Testament. So we must also read and understand what is written there. Do not be found saying, OT cancelled. You know, the, the, the covenant is, there is, um, is fulfilled, but the book there are not cancelled. There's a lot we can learn from there. You know, the epistles are based on what, on what is written in the Old Testament. So we'll say the New Testament is the Old Testament explained, revealed. So you need to understand what was so you understand what is. Don't just cancel it. You see, Christ would always refer back to what was written. Paul did the same to Peter. They all were referring, they all, when you read the Bible properly, they all were quoting Old Testament texts. They didn't just come out and say anything from, from their head. Whatever was said was shown from Scripture, the OT. So they showed the promise of grace right from the words of the prophets. See, if they could not find grace written in Old Testament scripture, it would have been invalid. If they could not find a promise of a time when, you know, when, 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 when God would write his law and stuff like that, as seen in Hebrews and the rest of them, it would have been invalid. They had to show that God promised this thing from long ago. They, they could not come and say, Rema, new, new Rema. No, that had to show that this new Rema is a promise of God right from the Old Testament scripture. Do you understand? They had to show from it is written. All right? They had to quote where, where the Bible says, you know, their sins and transgressions I'll remember no more. They had to look for it. If it's not in Old Testament scripture, it would have been invalid. So Paul will explain the, what we have now, explain from the promise of God in the old. Do you understand? Christ knows what say, that I have come and the Christ, okay? That to show them that's been scripture that a Messiah is coming. Do you understand? There had to be something written before him to show you the lordship of scripture, even Old Testament text. See, the way God works, God promises first before he does. God, God he puts before him a witness before he acts. So you can see this is what God said about this. Daniel, Daniel, I think Daniel 9 or so prophesied the Messiah, as in when he prophesied the year that Christ would come, God had to show walking. Do you understand? He prophesied the year of his coming. You know, this is documented so that God had to show his walking. You understand? The way he would come through a virgin is, is in Isaiah. The way he would die is in Isaiah. It's in the Psalms also. Okay, so God doesn't just do things. God is, God is scriptural. God works by the book. So you ought to also be a man of the book. All right? Yes, sir. Is that good? Yes, sir. Awesome. Now, the epistles also, people say things like, you know, I've, I've been there for this question also. That, okay, we agree that the Testament is God's word. What about the epistles? How is the epistles also scripture? When, when Paul said in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all, all scripture is kineko kineko, we have epistles then, right? We didn't have Bible epistles. 
So as we, are, as we affirm that the epistles also is the word of God, that's inspired text. It's a great question, okay? But we have answers. Now we'll see from, you know, that we see from Acts 1, 1 to 9, that after Christ resurrected, he taught the disciples, let's, let's go there, Acts 1 to 9. He taught them for 40 days about the kingdom. Before then, turn for 10 and a half years, right? But after I was saying, he still taught them for 40 days about the kingdom. And those who taught them are what they are now, are what we are, we are now, you know, being taught in their pieces. Acts 1, 1 to 9. Go on. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles they had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to give them and gave many convincing proof that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days spoke about the kingdom of God. Please pause. Go to Luke 1. Luke 1. I'll come back here. Go to Luke 1. Luke 1 from verse 1 to 4. Luke 1, I'm sorry. Luke 1, 1 to 4. Luke 1. The same person wrote, the same person wrote, wrote both books. You can see how we, how we opened both of them. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been viewed among us. Yeah. Just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so four. that you may know the certainty of things that, that you have been taught. These guys, you're not making stuff up. This is made up stuff. Okay? These are eyewitness accounts. Eyewitness accounts that Luke said he verified, he went investigated the claims. Okay? And he put them down in orderly version so that so as you will know the certainty of the things that have been taught. So these things are a certainty. It is not story, it's a certainty. It is a certainty. Eyewitness accounts. Do you understand? So the, the faith we have is not just story. They didn't just make it up. These are things that actually happened. It's a faith based on real-life facts. And when they wrote these things, some people that happened to were still alive. So they could go and check. For example, the books, the books of, 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 of most, most of the books of Paul were written, you know, between, between were written in the first four years of Christianity. Between 833 and 87th, most of them. Most of them. Most of these books were written. So they are, they are um, fresh accounts. Now, Nigeria, talk about, about the Biafran War, that point 67. And we talk about it with, with so much clarity. There's clarity, there's clarity, and you understand it. Why? It was, it's, it's, it's not far, it's just a memory. People can remember what happened in, in Biafran War. So, also, at this point, at this point of the writing of these books, okay, they were fresh accounts. The people it happened to were still alive. Of course, some had died, right? Most of them were still alive. First Corinthians 15, that Christ appeared five hundred people. And of those people, many of them were still alive. So you can go and ask them, were you there that day? Do you hear my point here? So it's not just, it's not them say. It's a, these are real life things that actually really happened. Glory to God. I encourage you, what we'll do is now, our study group, we'll read up books about, about the, the, it's a very interesting, interesting history. We'll read books together and talk about how this things came about, okay? But you see, you find out, you find how interesting, you know, these um, conversations are. All right? You know, the book of Luke, right? You know, historians, you know, this book of Luke as historically accurate, as in the guy wrote a proper history. As in historians, not, not, not just Christian historians right now, secular historians affirm the book of Luke as in the accuracy of the approach. In fact, see, the, the details that they investigated and found to be true, they had to find one that is wrong. Now, some is not found, but the gospel, the gospel totally, have been found to be accurate even in the places it mentions. Please do a study, you'll find out how rich this is, this story, okay? The gospels. Awesome. So, back to Acts 1, verse 5. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay, I think we are done there. So verse 4, verse 4 says, he taught them for 40 days about the kingdom. All right? So the things he taught are what the apostles taught 
and wrote in their epistles. Some will now say, but Paul was not there. How come Theolopoju? He was not there. How come he wrote most of the books of the, of the Old Testament? Even the, the Luke and Acts were Paul's associates. You know, Luke is Paul's associate, right? So how come he has so much influence? Who taught him his own? Galatians 1. Galatians 1. Galatians 1. Amen. Galatians. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men, nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, Glory. who raised him from the dead. Please pause. Now, to us, it looks like what Paul, Paul is just doing normal talk here. He was telling them everybody that gets to know that I may not be among the 11, I may not be among the 12, but I'm an apostle by the will of God. As in, that, see, you know, people, people are funny. Yeah, people are telling Paul, they are not there among the 12. Why is he on so much? Who taught you? Hey, hey, he was telling them, Oga, 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 I'm an apostle by the will of God. He was telling them boldly, I'm an apostle by the will of God, not of, not of man, but of God. He wasn't just making them still brag. He had to let them to affirm the authority of his calling. See, when a Jewish man makes that kind of boast, they don't play, they don't play God's word, though. Jews, Jews don't play, they said they're mad, they don't play with Yahweh. They don't play and say God, God said, they don't use it to play. They, the average Jew, eh, the way they talk about God with reverence and fear. <laughs> reverence, and, if the person is not mad or demon possessed, you know, reverence and fear. Paul says, he's, he's, you know, there's an apostle by the will of Yahweh. It's a big deal. Big deal. Don't forget that Paul is no ordinary Jew. Paul is a Pharisee of Pharisees. Do you get? He's, an, he's not just any mad person. Paul is elite Jew. So when he's talking this way, it's not just empty boast, though. Eh? When someone like that says, God appeared to me, ah. Amen. Paul, go on. I'll show you beyond just his, his testimony. I'll show you why we can affirm the truth of Paul's, of Paul's gospel. Please go and on. All the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. Yeah, go to verse, verse, um, verse 6. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of, of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach a gospel other than the one we preached to you, let them be under God's curse. And we have already said, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Am I now trying to please people? If I were trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Eleven. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preach is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Go on. For you, for you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism because many of my beyond own, beyond many of my own beyond yeah. many of my own age among my people was extremely zealous for traditions of my father. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son in me, so that I might preach Him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did, yeah. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the brothers, the Lord's brother. I assured you before God that I am writing, what, what I'm writing you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Sicilia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judah that are in Christ. Then only heard, they only, they they only. only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praise God because of chapter two. Before chapter 2. Now, Paul talked about his, his way of life in Judaism. How he was zealous for the faith of his fathers. 
how he went, uh, went as far as persecuting and killing people for his tradition. Now, this same guy, you have to, you have to check, check his motive. What would have made him live the way of life he knew, believed in, had prospects in? Paul was destined for the top of his career in Judaism. Give my point there. It was an elite. What would make him to abandon everything for a life of suffering for the gospel? When someone is lying, I'll check for his motive. Why would he lie about it? What did he stand to gain? Paul had everything to lose, nothing to gain, except to gain Christ. So whatever he saw must have been real. If it would cost him his life, whatever he saw, you should pay attention to him. That's not all. Chapter 2. Chapter 2. What am I doing? I'm trying to lay for you the validity of Paul's text, of Paul's epistles. All right? Chapter 2. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I was in response. I went in response. I went in response to a revelation and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders. I presented to them the gospel which I preach among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. Yet, not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we had in Christ Every time. to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. As for those who were held in high esteem, whatever, were, whatever, they, made, whatever they were made, no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. You see that? On the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been circumcised. Had been to the circumcised. Just as Peter had been to the circumcised. Yeah. For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, also, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. That's nine. James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized grace. That's, that means that is approval. Okay, go on. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they be circumcised. And they to the circumcised. Ten. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I had been eager to do all along. See that? They added not to They did not disagree. You see, they did not disagree with my message. Paul said, he said, said after three years, he went to Peter and James. All right? After four years, after four years, he went back, went back against Jerusalem and met with the elders of the church. And they did not add anything to his message. They did not, they affirmed his message. Look at that. They affirmed Paul's gospel. And when you see the gospel that Paul taught and Peter taught, there is no difference in it. They were all the same thing. Salvation by grace through faith. So, even though it wasn't among those directly taught by Jesus Christ, they affirmed what Christ taught him by revelation. Do you understand? And Paul's writings also, you see that Paul always made reference to scripture. He didn't just cook them up. He made reference to scripture. You understand? You know, it begins to wonder, why did God choose to go out of the twelve? To look for a guy like that to use so mightily. The wonders of God, right? And also the, the, the role of, of um, education. Education. There are things that will limit you. Okay, even in, even in use of God, you are not fully educated. You, just, you have a zone that you cannot pass. The, 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 the post-Judaizing knowledge was so vital. Knowledge of scripture. Nobody took nobody took scripture that way. Paul, Paul explained all to Kale, you know, like a proper scripture engineer. Oh to why? His background in Judaism helped him. His background in scripture helped him understand why God went to fish him out with a slap. <laughs> Glory to God. So see, is why I say it's better to be zealous for God. Even if, it's, even if the zeal is smoke donut, at least you are sincere. See, God knew the way this guy is going. This guy's passion is better in the kingdom. His passion is better in the kingdom. So God went after him. 
Some people are so passionless that even God like. <laughs> All right? So not your passion. Let God be able to breathe on your passion. Glory to God. Second Peter 3.16. 2 Peter 3.16. Talking about the epistles as God's word. Are we learning? Yes, sir. 2 Peter 3.16. 2 Peter 3.16. 2 Peter 3.16. 2 Peter 3.16. Alright, second Peter 316. Are we there? Yeah. You write the same. Start, write... start from start from 14. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote with you the wisdom that God gave him. Look at that. This is Peter calling Paul, our dear brother, affirming the ministry of Paul. And affirming, he says, affirming the things that Paul wrote down. He's saying that what Paul taught is what I also teach. Do you understand? So you cannot say Paul and Peter. No, no, no. They, he's telling what Paul taught is what I also teach. He's saying that I have also seen Paul's writings and I affirm them. Get, make reference to what Paul wrote because he had seen what Paul wrote. Alright, please go on. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letter contains some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. He says. He, he, look at it. it says, as they do other scriptures. What does that mean? Why you say something is other? Exactly. It was telling you that Paul's letter is scripture. Do you understand? Peter was affirming Paul's letters as scriptures. You know, Paul was the first to write, actually. Paul's letters started the early church very early. Very early. Very early. Paul was the first to write. Paul later came before Luke and the other Gospels. Before Acts. Paul was the first to write. Again, education. His background. He's a lawyer. Lawyers write. Sometimes I'm a civil engineer. I don't know if people write, but it's fine. <laughs> see, see, get the point here. And there's books. Is that how they came? They said, go and all the churches very early. Very early. Okay? So, Paul. Paul as we affirm as scripture. So the, Paul wrote to different churches to tell them, read this, read this book in your church to the Ephesians. Read, read, pass this, when you read in Ephesians, send, send, send to Laodicea. Laodicea book also written in the Ephesian church. His books were circulated around as scripture. Okay? Thessalonians 2.13. 1 Thessalonians 2.13. 1 Thessalonians 2.13. 1 Thessalonians 2.13. And we also thank God continually because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed as work in you who believe. See that? They took one of the apostles that teaches as the word of God. Scripture. These are the things that they wrote down. Alright? These are the things they wrote. Ephesians 3, 1 to 6. Ephesians 3, 1 to 6. Oh, wow. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, yes. surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That, that is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. Hmm. In, in reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight onto the mystery into of Christ. Into mystery of Christ, yeah. Go on, go on, go on. Which was not made known to people in other generations at this has now been revealed by the Spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets. Look at that. This mystery is that, is that through the gospel of Gentiles, through the gospel of the Gentiles, through the gospel, relax, relax, Gentiles are gathered <laughs> together with Israel, yeah. members together of, of one, one body, body and, and shares together, together in, in the promise. Of so he says that when you read my letters, you will see me unveiling the mystery as shown by the Holy Spirit. So the letters are inspired texts. Paul's letters are inspired texts. Paul's letters are inspired 
text. Peter's letters are inspired text. Okay? The apostles' letters are inspired text. All right? Glory to God. How many minutes do I have left? How many 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 they never made a decision without, you know, even, even in Acts, where they had this issue of circumstances, circumstances, arguments, they went back to scripture to decide what is true. In, you know, in Acts? Where is it? Where is it? Let, should, should we go there? Okay, we'll come, back, we'll come back the next time, but this is the point. They, went, they didn't just do meeting and say, what do you think? They didn't, they didn't, they didn't throw a vote and say, let's vote on, those, on opinions. You get? They went back to scripture to see what was true. So the church is ruled by scripture, not by majority carries the votes. We don't vote on doctrine. We don't vote on doctrine. In fact, in the church, we don't vote anything. It's like you don't vote leadership too. We don't vote. It's trouble because it's trouble. You know why people kill themselves in church politics because they are voting. Okay, we do as led by the spirit. The church is not a democracy. It's an autocracy. God speaks through his servants. We don't know what he said to his servants in our church. Amen. Amen. Know that I vote this, I vote that. Oh God, disaster. Never works. It means you just you let people start, be, start doing lobbying in the church. You start lobbying. You say this. You, you know, I saw a series of churches where when it's when it's time, people don't, they don't, they don't, they don't go to the church. When it's time to do it, make, make a decision, they have to vote. That's people that didn't go to church, they didn't go to church this year at all. So just, so, it's just them in church, so the church will not be fooled because they don't want to make a vote. They don't, they don't, they don't come again, in no fact, they've left the city. But because there's a vote to be made, the church will not be fooled because they don't want to make a, don't want to take a vote. So you're not call your friend, ah, come more, you're not call your clique. One fair shake, one fair dig, hey, come what you say, you know, you know? But yes, it, it's not story, it happens. You see that? No, really, it happens. They will go and call their friends. You don't come, child, come, tomorrow, come. This is what you will say, oh, you're, my, you're my side. They will lobby to make a choice for church. But that's politics, that's politics. All is fair in politics. It's fair in politics. It's why you don't bring politics into church. Okay, church is as led by the Spirit. All right, so we decide by Scripture. We don't decide by the ballot or by trends or by mood. All right? Very important. Now, the scripture also is clear by the spirit. Now, we know that there are parts there that are a bit difficult to understand, but, but generally, the things we, need, we really, really, really need to know, they are quite clear. Okay, now, I think what has caused us issues is that over, over years, we have had so many false teaching mixed with good teaching, such that that, that made simple things become hard. Originally, it was not hard. Scripture by itself, without, without bias, is clear enough for you. What happens is that people over time tell a sort of nonsense that just makes everything look more, look more to you. For example, some years back, like three, two years, three years ago, this argument was all over the place. International salvation, you know, um, the, the different extremes, these very, very interesting extremes. That if, like, you can even deny Christ right now. You can even say anything, you can do anything you want to deny him, reject him forever, and we are sure that nothing can do. We will we take you, can you? People sort of, you know, and they said with, with boldness. But, you know, I went back to scripture. That's, that's what I do. I went to read the epistles all over. I went to read the epistles all over again. I read the epistles all true. read all, read all posted as all true. I started finding, but he said this. He said that. It doesn't align. Okay, so what do we do? We go back to scripture. Don't just take the part that you like. This is what people do. People take the part they like. Once they don't like, they lift it. What do you do? If it looks like a contradiction, okay, two parts. Read, read both of them. Read it well. You'll find that usually you can marry the two together. You can marry it. They don't contradict, they explain each other. Do you understand? Someone will say we are saved by grace through faith. Yes, we are saved by grace through faith. But the faith there does not force on you. You accepted him. He didn't force faith on you. Now, he didn't, didn't kidnap you that you're not going again. He did not kidnap against your will. Abi, that you have, now you have entered the door. He didn't kidnap you against your will. The choice used to come in. You have a choice to go out also. Adam had the choice. See, again, I tell you, when you understand scripture, start from the beginning. In the beginning, there was will. Now there's still will. Forever there'll be will. Glory to God. 
So the scripture is clear enough. If we read it without bias, you understand? Read it without sentiments. Read it without what you wanted to see. Be eager for truth, not for not to validate your own opinions. Glory to God. Yeah. All right. Can, can we go further? So we'll continue. Now we can, so we'll continue on Sunday about how the canon was formed. All right. Are we blessed? Did we learn something today? Are, are, we, are we educated? Are we blessed? Can we just give God thanks? Just thank Him. Thank you for your word. Thank you because we are blessed of you. Thank you because, you know, we are, we are being trained. We are getting better and better by your word. We are becoming more and more truth conscious. Are we praying? Are we thanking God? Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for giving us your word. Thank you because we are good students. We'll go back to check if what we have heard is true. So because we go further and do more research and learn better and better and get better and better in these things. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We give you all the praise. We give you all the praise. We give you all the praise. Father, we thank you this evening. We ask, oh God, that your word be in our hearts, that we are rooted and grounded in truth. We are stable. We stand strong. We're not tossed to and fro every of doctrine in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Father, we ask for anyone that is sincerely seeking to know you better, receive for you grace, receive for them grace to know you better and better today in the name of Jesus. Amen. That, you know, you are revealed to them clearer and clearer and they grow in truth in the name of Jesus. Amen. For every person we have in our hearts, we ask for God this evening that we have understanding, we have revelation. It gets clearer and clearer to us in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Thank you, Father. Thank you. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Hey, hope you were blessed by the sermon. Feel free to visit our website www.thisgreenchurch.org for more info. God bless you.